technology shapes and influences every aspect of our lives today. And we're only beginning to scratch the surface of understanding how it will radically change the way we live and work in the future. Coming up... Not all applications in their entirety would run at the edge only. There would be, for all 5G use cases, the specifically those that are leveraging AI and ML, what will happen is you want to train the machine learning models to continuously improve the services. So you always invariably execute the machine learning at the edge cloud, but you want to train your model with tons of data in the public cloud where it is much more cheaper. You're listening to the Future Rhythmic Podcast with Michael Hainsworth, a Nokia original series. The growth potential for the cloud isn't just in B2B or B2C, but business to business to everything. How critical is a platform agnostic approach to the success of B2B2X? It's everything. Amir Rao knows that as the global head of solution portfolio and tech alliances for telecom at AWS. But ensuring developers of the next killer app can become hyperscalers like Netflix, Uber, and Airbnb requires telecom operators to partner and be flexible. Partnerships are going to be in a very, very important uh, aspect of uh, building the 5G businesses uh, across the globe. And for the use cases, the operators would have to partner with different ISVs, different GSIs, uh, maybe in times different enterprise customers uh, who may want to build B2B2B or, or B2B2C uh, use cases that would benefit from um, 5G latency uh, and other parameters uh, such as high throughput. And when we bring all of that together, the idea of B2B2C or B2B in general, that, that sort of goes out the door because to your point, this is uh, business to business to everything now. Uh, I'd have to agree. B2B2X, a business to business to everything is going to be critical to deliver the key promise of 5G to enable the innovation in the industry and the society to development of new uh, use cases and new solutions that can benefit from cloud and that can benefit from 5G. Uh, network attributes or network qualities, which differentiate it from the 4G or some of the legacy technologies. AWS uh, innovates on behalf of our customers by providing them with the, both the depth and breadth of cloud services uh, to remove the complexity uh, of our large number of ISVs and developers in building the new innovation solutions. Um, and therefore, we, how we are thinking is to be able to extend AWS cloud services to 5G networks by a service called AWS Wavelength. The key here is to be able to provide the ISVs and developers the tools that they need to benefit from the capabilities of 5G. By extending AWS cloud services to AWS Wavelength, we can differentiate, uh, we can help the ISVs, the developers differentiate and build the use cases which could be relevant to everybody. It could be relevant to a healthcare system. It could be beneficiary to actually autonomous vehicles. It could be beneficiary to some of the computer vision uh, work that's been going on in the industry. And it could be for a number of type of users. It could be for enterprises uh, who want to build industry 4.0 solutions. It could be for common public safety who are just trying to monitor traffic conditions or 
congestions or for law and order maintenance, as well as uh, imagining a B2B2C use case such as gaming, a low latency gaming application, which could sit and benefit uh, on AWS cloud and, and actually can benefit from the capabilities of 5G. So let's talk about those new innovation services, you know, automotive, smart city technologies, healthcare, they're all built on this next generation cloud technology. Give me some examples here. How is the healthcare industry leveraging edge cloud? The AWS Wavelength, uh, which is our AWS cloud services uh, in the 5G networks, they enable the 5G applications and use cases across a range of industries. Um, and it does it by offloading data processing tasks from 5G devices to the network edge or to conserve resources like power, memory, and bandwidth to the standard compute capabilities of an end-user device. Uh, and this allows the ability to run machine learning inference at the edge and provide results back to a requesting application in a near real-time uh, application. Uh, one of the examples is healthcare. I mean, of course, we've talked about autonomous vehicles, smart factories, but healthcare, you can really use machine learning for assisted diagnostics. You can use machine learning for interactive live video streams and other interesting use cases. Uh, specifically, we've been working with Avisha Systems, an AWS customer who has built an AI-assisted model and inference at 5GH to assist medical doctors to identify polyps during endoscopic procedures. This particular solution takes the video frame from the endoscopes during the procedure and run inference, machine learning inference at real time on that feed at the 5G edge, and then use the pre-trained models uh, uh, to detect the anomalies and highlight those areas for the doctors. Uh, this particular case is uh, also demonstrating that data and applications have to invariably use the services both in the cloud and at the edge, as AI models are trained in AWS cloud using SageMaker and other services while the inference is performed at the wavelength zones at the 5G edge. Does that make sense? It does. And it's fascinating because you're talking about some really core stuff, whereas everybody else seems to focus on the ultra reliable, low latency communications that brings us things like, you know, robotic based distance surgery, but something as complex yet it's really important as dealing with endoscopic results um, is something that uh, is is really a, a foundation of healthcare-based AI. And yes, it does. And, and that is not to sort of uh, say that we are not working on ultra-low latency, sort of mission-critical uh, nature of 5G. There are multiple use cases uh, which can be enabled by 5G. And of course, low latency is an, a very, very important piece of it. But just the fact that that is not the only possibility that it opens up 5G. I mean, just having AWS cloud uh, at the 5G edge allows you the ability uh, to open up uh, different traditional uh, use cases, such as machine learning or augmented reality. And I'd say traditional, of course, with a tongue in cheek, because uh, you know <laughs> these things have not been there for, for decades. It's just uh, like four or five years, but these things, they have existed for the last uh, five, seven years. Uh, now 5G is opening up and AWS Wavelength at the 5G edge is opening up using uh, some of these capabilities closer to the end user, which are of course going to benefit uh, from the low latency just by virtue of 5G, but also by having AWS Wavelength at the 5G edge, you are reducing the latency even further from a compute capability perspective. 
One technology, though, that does require URLLC, that ultra-reliable low-latency communications, is smart car technology. How is the autonomous vehicle industry approaching the cloud? The autonomous vehicle industry is approaching 5G and then cloud in multiple ways. So, of course, uh, it all starts from, you know, having very robust and large platforms that could sit in in, in cloud that could benefit from the scalability, reliability, and the elasticity that the cloud offers. Uh, so that's one piece. But then it also requires some real-time decisions to be made, and that is where 5G and potentially AWS Wavelength comes into play because 5G is going to offer the low latency, extremely low latency for those split-second decisions, actually millisecond-based decisions to be made by, by autonomous vehicles. And what can enable those decisions to be made very quickly is rather than, um, you know, traveling very large distances to get to cloud, you can really get to AWS Wavelength, which is sitting right at the network edge in the 5G network. And you can offer uh, all of the compute capabilities that are required for the applications and those decisions to be made. Now, whether those decisions are AI-based decisions or whether those decisions are uh, computer vision-based decisions, uh, for an, a, a vehicle to navigate themselves, or whether uh, those decisions are just to provide uh, sort of uh, the entertainment experience, which is another part of the autonomous vehicle industry, because it's just not only autonomous, it's, it's going to be a, a, a fully embedded experience for a passenger where they can you pick a while the car's driving itself, they can pick and choose anything that they want to listen or watch. So, I think the the automotive industry in general uh, is using both 5G and cloud uh, for not only autonomous vehicle, but all, to also offer a fully immersive experience uh, to the passengers, which would define the next generation of, of car travel. See, that's interesting too, because you know if, if we spend all of our energy thinking about how you're just going to get the vehicles to talk to each other, that completely ignores a, a key component to the autonomous vehicle experience, which is that it relieves the driver and the passengers of focusing on the safety aspect of the commute, and they can focus on other things. So the thought process here, I, I think at least I perceive it, or we perceive it at AWS, is it's going to be a, a, a function of once the vehicles become autonomous, uh, you want to provide the passengers of those vehicles uh, uh, an immersive experience, whether those experiences are work-related or whether those experiences are just entertainment-related uh, for those passengers to be able to, if they too completely trust the, um, the, the fact that they are riding an autonomous vehicle which is going to take care of the navigation and, and course correction to whatever it wor it's worth, then naturally they want to be able to use their time more productively. And productivity has its own definition depending on the persona of the passenger or persona of the customer that's riding their vehicle. Uh, if, you, if you're a road warrior who want to be able to latch onto your emails and conference calls, um, then you'd need to have that capability uh, from an internet service provision perspective and, and having the, the, the high-speed bandwidth that is required to, to conduct your office work while you are traveling to and from, whether it's a city to a city or traveling from your home to the office. And you could also be a younger passenger who, or, or uh, any persona who'd want to just watch their latest show and, 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 and consume content on demand. So we see both of these uh, major types of categories, but 
especially once autonomous vehicles become a reality, uh, this an all immersive uh, content experience is going to become a more of a need. Not to say that it's not a need today, because even when you are attending to all of the navigational needs, it's only the driver who's attending to the navigational needs, and there could be other passengers in the car, especially with the with the apps like Uber and. Uh, you know, uh, and other uh, uh, ride-sharing apps. So you want to offer the passengers of the car immersive experience. So both use cases will exist in parallel, in my view. Use cases with um, cloud vary dramatically depending on what we're talking about here. Like, for example, when it comes to public-centric B2B, uh, how do you ensure flexibility for the end user when there's such a large diversity of the kinds of applications that come with, say, a smart city, you're going to have a whole lot of sensors, you're going to have camera systems, you're going to have systems that require an immediate uh, ultra-low latency, but then you're going to have other systems that are going to require a lot of horsepower in the back end. So, yes, the cloud offers the capabilities uh, that to, for different use cases, as I mentioned before. I mean, I'll, I'd like to cite another example uh, of a use case, which could be a great use case for public sector customers. Uh, which is, uh, we work with an AWS ISP called Cloud Vision, which is focused on monitoring. I mean, I'm referring to it because you just mentioned cloud congestion, right? We're monitoring cloud congestion mm -hmm. through video cameras and LiDAR detection among multiple route segments. And so every time when congestion exceeds certain thresholds, alerts are sent off to staff, signage, public uh, addresses, and smartphone applications recommending folks, whether you are fans at a, at a major game or weekend game, or whether you are uh, monitor, trying to monitor traffic during a public protest or a public gathering, or, or whether you're just trying to, in a, in a commercial setting, just provide workforce management uh, services. So all of these uh, are realities. Now talking about, now this, is, this addresses one piece of the question. Um, so public sector could be a significant benefit from use cases like these. But then the specific application, whether you've got thousands of sensors which are providing temperature, let's suppose you are a firefighting agency. Uh, so not only you'd want to understand the congestion uh, once you're entering into a building, into a large complex, as to what's happening where, but you'd also want to understand uh, where the fire is. Uh, to your point, you, know, you want to check where the humidity is, where, which and, and therefore all of that data through multiple sub-applications can actually be uh, taken to cloud, uh, AWS wavelength, processed there, uh, and different types of insights could actually be managed. One insight would just take care of the congestion control, a congestion aspect. The other, other uh, types of insights would actually be able to navigate the firefighting staff going into a building as to what to avoid and where to look for uh, the fire or the, or the source of the fire that needs to be extinguished uh, in a jiffy. Does that make sense, Michael? It does. It, it does. In five years ago, under 4G, telcos were building their own data centers. But let's talk about, you know, the partnerships aspect to all of this, though, because over the last 12 to 18 months, we've seen CSPs recognize they need to partner with hyperscale cloud providers like AWS. But that requires a culture of change. What does that look like? I, I think it's more than culture of change. It's embracing each other and embracing each other's capabilities to do what's the right thing for the end customer. Uh, for AWS, the customer obsession sits at the right at the center of our uh, of our business, of our uh, innovation, uh, of the scale that we have been able to create over the last 10 to 14 years, 15 years. And um, in, in that sense, 
what what we really want to uh and the journey that we want to embark on with uh, with the csps is just to focus on the customer obsession and i think and i hope and that's what the signals that we've got from different csps is that people are thinking the csps are thinking that let's just let's just think about who's our end customer who's our end uh, enterprise customer or developer that we want to bring the capabilities of 5g and if that requires working with an aws uh, or or ensuring the aws wavelength uh, can deliver the cloud services at the 5g edge then then they are very open because they want to leverage the capabilities of cloud that aws has built and also uh, bring in the large number of isps and developers that aws already sort of uh, has on its platform uh, to be able to use the 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 5g capabilities so in a nutshell i think the the thesis of any potential partnership should be based on working backwards from the customer and we are seeing a lot of signals uh, of that and actually that's probably tipping the uh, or, or breaking the ice uh, in fact it has bro- already broken the ice many many years ago uh, but we are ex- getting ex- both sides are accelerating together aws and the service providers uh, to create those immersive experience for the end customers well let's expand on that because you're accustomed to partner relationships but csps are used to being in charge What's your best practices advice for a CSP who then partners with those developing applications that leverage their cloud infrastructure? The key here is really to to focus on uh, understanding who are going to be the builders. I think you mentioned right at the beginning who are the, about folks who will be building the the 5G of Netflix and the Netflix of 5G, sorry, uh, and, and and other applications. So we need to cover all the bases we need to and, and you also already see different csps have set up innovation centers uh, to try to rope in the talent across the across the nation here in the united states and also elsewhere globally uh, so that whether you you can rope in startups you can rope in isps into uh, your programs uh, to expose to them the capabilities of 5g now if you want to do that you have to appreciate that those companies are going to be much more nimble they're going to be much more uh, they would not have the hundreds of people uh, that generally a large uh, operator uh, or a csp would have or even an aws would have so we need to appreciate um and 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 both sides uh, need to appreciate the the difference of persona that is trying to meet in the middle to create a successful partnership specifically for csps uh, they'd have to uh, appreciate that these smaller uh, CS, uh, ISVs or developers are looking for faster results uh, and, and they need to be provided with the resources so if both sides are meeting to each other's demand uh, and if both sides are aligned in terms of the end customer result that that needs to be driven uh, which which can actually uh, show both sides the path to not only meeting the customer need but a path to revenue a path to scalability these are going to be at the center stage of uh, some key tenets which would define whether a relationship or a partnership uh, between a csp and an isv or a csp and a developer or a startup uh, is actually uh, going to be successful or not so what you're saying is any partnership can only scale if it's solving a real customer problem and the csp has a role to play in determining pain points right from the outset uh, re- reality is working backwards is our dna 
at AWS, and we we believe it works for 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 everybody, and especially two or more entities coming together to solve a problem. Because if you eventually you will not be able to solve the problem, it just becomes a science project. Eventually, the if the the parties would stop, their interest would fade away. They stop investing, and 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 it would not go anywhere. As we say, success breeds success. Uh, generally in our society, so we need to look for those early proof points uh, to 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 for any partnership uh, to be mutually inclusive, and then to work backwards from a customer need so that we are focused on solving that need, uh, and 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 being able to solve that need would actually take us into the next level of 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 of, of uh, our journey as partners together. Whether you are any any two companies or three companies coming together, then you scale the business. The next startup may be the 5G equivalent to the next Netflix, Uber, or Airbnb, but how do CSPs ensure they're giving their partners the right tools to become the next disruptor? They'd have to offer, as you said, the right tools. The right tools would include capabilities, uh, exposing 5G capabilities, um, potentially providing and and leveraging partnerships, for example, the one that AWS uh, has been forging or building with the CSPs. Uh, to offer AWS Wavelength uh, and AWS Cloud Services through AWS Wavelength at the 5G edge, we need to expose this cap- those capabilities, whether it's the CSP or whether it is AWS. And we need to ensure that not only we expose those capabilities, we also do a bit of hand-holding in terms of understanding uh, the art of possible and actually being open to getting the feedback from those ISVs. Maybe they actually help us unearth some of the attributes of 5G and cloud services, which we are not thinking. And this is part of the working backward process because you are trying to think a customer in in two dimension. One is the end user and the other one is the actual builder. And in that case, I think really what we would need to appreciate as, uh, as, as, as industry stakeholders, and especially as CSPs, that in order to be able to build those next generation killer applications, as we call them, or or, or or hugely successful use cases in future, we need to be open to to listen uh, to the creators of those use cases, and then being able to offer them the flexibility and platform agility, uh, whether it is 5G network itself or the cloud services from AWS perspective, that will determine uh, our success together. What you're saying is we need to ensure that CSPs don't get stuck in their own bubble, their own echo chamber, or have blinders on about this transformation that they know they have to undergo. I, I'd say this is true for anybody. Like anybody entering into a, a next era of technological innovation, whether you are a CSP or an AWS or you are just a healthcare company, we can't afford to to limit our set of potential permutations and combinations. That doesn't mean we changed the business outcomes. We could still have, we could still be chasing the same business outcome or the, uh, as I as I've explained earlier, the working backwards outcome that you want to achieve. But not limiting the means to get to those business outcomes is going to be key. And being open to understand that while we, uh, as the heavyweights of the industry, are thinking, uh, the CSPs, uh, they are thinking that, for example. The, the killer application is going to come from, as you, you talked about earlier in the, the discussion, about the low latency aspect. Maybe it's something else. Who knows? And maybe it is, it, and, and, and that requires still the 5G the use cases. So, yes, in short, uh, being open to the 
the feedback that we get from our uh, developers and ISVs who are actually going to be building those use cases is going to be hugely important. From your personal perspective, what's the one 5G killer app that you're most looking forward to? <laughs> I mean, I'm not a big technology uh, geek, uh, Michael. Yes, it Wait a minute, you were employee as, number one at AWS. How are you doing? No, no, I was employee. I was, <laughs> I was not an employee number one at AWS. I was uh, one of the first guys hired for the telco business here, right? Okay. But, 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 but still, sort of uh, taking on that question, I would just want to see a lot of new use cases uh, emerge, which could actually meet uh, the the real time requirements. Uh, these could be like, for example, I'll, on a personal level, I can tell you, I've got a son, he's 14 year old, he has cerebral palsy. So I really hope that autonomous vehicles would be a possibility because I know he would not be able to drive. So <laughs> you got me there. Uh, but this is, um, I mean, if, if in five, six years, I don't know how long, uh, if autonomous vehicle could be a possibility, it'll greatly personally benefit me and my son. That'll be a great thing. See the future. Listen to what's next. Read about world-changing ideas. All by visiting futurhythmic.com. The Future Rhythmic Podcast with Michael Hainsworth is a Nokia original series.